0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. If you were listening to St. Louis Public Radio in the 11 o'clock hour, you heard that the program, The Takeaway, has a brand new host. Veteran journalist Tanzina Vega is the permanent replacement for John Hockenberry, who retired last year. Tanzina has reported for CNN and The New York Times, has been teaching at Princeton, and is passionate about such issues as race, media, and inequality. I spoke with her Friday as she prepared for today's debut. Is she excited about her new role? You bet.
1: I am excited. Uh, I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm a little overwhelmed, um, but mostly excited to get started and really thrilled to be working with our team and sitting in the chair, as they say.
0: Well, it's been known for, for a little while now that you're going to be taking over this position. How do you build up to it? What have you been doing in the last couple of weeks to get ready for the the first broadcast?
1: Well, I've been – it's interesting. I've been sort of working on uh, a couple of things. I was transitioning out of um, my role at Princeton University a couple months ago um, as a professor there. For I did a semester of fellowship there, and um, around that time, I was also, I'm also working on a book. Um, And then this opportunity presented itself. So it's been a pretty busy time. Um, But in terms of preparing for the show, I mean, we've been talking about we being the team and I and also our executive producer. uh, We've been having conversations about where we want to take the show for months. And that's actually one of the reasons why I was so interested in coming on board was because – the vision for the show and how the producers are seeing it and how our executive producer is seeing it—we're just really in sync with, um, with the, the things that I wanted to work on. And so, part of what we've been doing is trying to come up with a framework for this show. And, and this is a fresh start. Uh, the show just had its 10-year anniversary, so we're you know turning the page and starting a new chapter. And a lot of what I'm uh, talking about as we're leading up to the the um, the debut or my debut is sort of these three gaps in American society that I think are underlying a lot of what um, – a lot of the tension that we see right now. And, uh, you know, these are things that I think we're going to be looking at over the long term. These are things that are going to help us frame – Uh, The way we do reporting and those gaps are the wealth gap. Uh, There's increasing uh, economic segregation in this country and the racial wealth gap specifically is very, very large. Um, And that's something that we obviously need to look at that underpins everything from criminal justice to health care to education. Um, and I'm also looking at something called the empathy gap. Uh, I think that Americans are, as we all know, they're increasingly polarized and divided. and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we are we live very separate lives often and don't have as much interaction and that lack of interaction uh, you know in real life tends to produce I think a, a lack of compassion and empathy and I think we're seeing a lot of that um, today. so it's another lens that we'll be looking, um, had a lot of these issues through. And the third is we have a truth gap, yeah. which is, I think, very concerning for all of us in media and something that we are taking very seriously and want to make sure that obviously all of our reporting meets those right standards and that we are uh, having conversations that are going to help, you know, close any and all of these gaps.
0: Well, I was going to ask what a radio program can do to close the gaps because all of the things that you've mentioned are are things that people, journalists, and others have have talked about a lot over the last months
1: I agree, and I think what we 're seeing is we 're all inundated well, first of all, I think we 're all stressed out, um, all oh. of us, regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum or uh, you know where you live. I think Americans are really stressed, overwhelmed, and really looking for. Something to help put this into context, right, and provide a platform for different types of conversation. I think what's happened is we are overwhelmed with news as well. There's media coming at us from Mm. angles, you know, from different angles every day. We are, you know, we have whiplash from the amount of breaking news that I think. Um, You know, we're receiving on a daily basis. And so I think, you know, ideally, the takeaway will be the place where we can come and we'll still cover breaking news, we'll still cover the news of the day. But to be able to stop, pause and unpack and go a little deeper than maybe a lot of what we see Um, maybe on on television and things like that. Like, we can really hopefully change that conversation by bringing different voices to the table, which is something that, you know, is a historical part of what the show has done.
0: You know, you talk about being overwhelmed, and it's, it's my observation, and perhaps that of others too, that that is certainly happening, but we're so overwhelmed that there's nothing we can do about it.
1: You see, that's the part. That I want to push back on a little bit because I do think that even in the land of Twitter, where I spend a significant amount of time, and I'm, and and apparently so does our so does our president, um, and many other of my media uh, colleagues, even there, which can feel like such a divisive and angry place sometimes, um, even there, there are bright spots, and there are people, Americans in particular, human beings in general, I think have this this resilience that we will make humor, we will make art, we will make, you know, we will create light in certain areas and I think we're still, we still see that even in some of the darkest stories and darkest situations out there. This humanity uh, that comes out, and the the desire to like I said, create joy, create humor, create art, so I think that yes, we are very disillusioned it 's a very difficult time right now, but despite that, i you know I think all of us can hopefully have a laugh at least here and there
0: uh, yeah that 's something we would all look forward to <laughs> but you know i've i 've had people tell me that with what 's going on nationally, and certainly what's going on in here in Missouri, because you're probably aware that we have our own little problem with the chief executive in the state of Missouri, that it's almost like PTSD. It just keeps coming, and there is no relief. So laughter certainly would be a good Mm -hmm. medicine in this case.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I do think it's a little PTSD. And I I do recommend that, you know, even for my own media consumption habits, um, you know, I'm trying to, like, I've turned off a lot of alerts on my phone, for example, things that, you know, a lot of people use the word self-care. It's a very popular term right now. But I do think we have to be aware, at least, of how stressful the news can be, because it is, you know, relentless at times. And I think that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to pause for a minute. And maybe take a walk or grab some ice cream or do something that doesn't um, force us to look at this. And that includes those of us who work in the biz.
0: As long as we're talking about uh, laughter and the need for relief, just curious as to as to what your take was on Michelle Wolfe uh, – a few days ago at the correspondence dinner, did you have a chance to take any of that in or hear? I routine? did,
1: I did, and in fact, I uh, I did a little Twitter storm, if you will, or tweet huh. thread, is what the, they might call it. And um, my initial reaction to that—I mean, I watched uh, Michelle, and I, you know, thinking before the the uh, blowback against her started, I remember thinking, well, it was pretty much on par with other White House Correspondents dinners that I've watched with other comedians. Um, I think uh, what struck me about the reaction was that our industry is under so much pressure and facing its own crises in when we talk about um, diversity, for example, when we talk about inclusion, when we talk about pay, when we talk about the ability to be able to sustain doing journalism— uh, the day after the White House correspondence Dinner, I believe there were nine journalists killed abroad. And, you know, to me, those are the big issues that we as journalists and as media consumers really need to be focusing on, uh, particularly in an event that is so, you know, obscure to a lot of Americans, right? So I thought the the blowback was a bit much, to be honest with you. I didn't really see uh, – I thought that her criticisms of the media were frankly uh, pretty sharp, and um and i think that it's something that we all you know need to examine but to me there are much bigger issues when it comes to the state of journalism um and journalists and, that need to be addressed and so that was where my focus was the day after
0: i wonder if that's going to change the format at all of this particular dinner
1: i i you know honestly i I see that there's all this you know there were there were some folks who were saying, well, maybe we can have a conservative comic and a, a progressive comic or maybe we don't do comedy and I think we really just need to take a step back and understand what comedy is right and um and it's just interesting at how you know the whole i mean roasts are uncomfortable right they're they're supposed to be uncomfortable, and so I think they either have to figure out what the philosophy of the of the uh the overall event is meant to be and what the goal is meant to be in order to move forward.
0: You know, it's funny. I I don't want to digress too much on this, but uh, I'll never forget the expression on Donald Trump's face at that dinner when Barack Obama was taking a few shots at him, Trump, of course, being in the audience. I'm fully convinced in my own mind that's one of the reasons that Trump is so antagonistic toward uh, Barack Obama today
1: hmm And also just not being there, I think, mm-hmm. says a lot. And I think, you know, quite frankly, the... The the event that the president, the rally that the president had the same night, I think, was worthy of attention, uh, was worthy of much more coverage than it got, particularly um, some of the racialized language that was used in that rally. Um, You know, for the, you know, for example, when he said, you know, are there any Hispanics in the room before I talk about the wall? I'm Mm -hmm. paraphrasing there. But, you know, these are things that have serious implications um, on, you know, the way people are treated, on policy. They're ju- they're not just words uh, coming from the president. And so I think um, we needed to do a better job on that.
0: You know, I've seen quotes from you, uh, and you mentioned the word uh, a couple of minutes ago, the word diversity, and quotes, uh, you know, concerning your interest in this particular area and elitism, if you will. Where do you think we are right now with regard to diversity in, in our business and uh, elitism in our business?
1: I think we have a long way to go. Uh, I think when you look at the ASNI numbers, the American Society of News Editor numbers, uh, we're still not seeing, on average, newsrooms that reflect the communities that they serve. Um, And I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, um, we, you know, when we're talking about inclusion and diversity, Um, people tend to look at it as one layer, right? So they'll say, well, we need to just have, you know, increase the number of people of color, for example. And so they'll go out and do that, but they won't consider other types of um, diversity that have to be included in newsrooms, right? One of the biggest um, sort of, you know, narratives that came out of the 2016 campaign was that of the white working class. And newsrooms were knocking themselves out because they felt that they hadn't done enough to cover that population, right? And that they had sort of been focused on the coasts and the big cities and not really what was happening on the ground in a lot of um, middle America. And I think that is also a failure to, you know, to understand. And and, uh, first of all, it's a failure of not having enough boots on the ground, right? Um, Newsrooms, local news in particular, is struggling, but also having people who come from so different socioeconomic backgrounds is critical. Um, you know our country what's the the median uh, income what is it fifty three thousand dollars or something? I mean yeah. this is what is considered average in the United States and so um so I think we really need to take a look at not just racial diversity, which is critical. Um, we need more critics of color. We need uh, women, and we need op-ed writers and Washington correspondents. But we also need to have people from different um, socioeconomic backgrounds. We can't continue because I think with all of these unpaid internships, for example, and low pay, it's very difficult for people to get into the field, right? And there's a dearth of reporting, for example, on poverty in the United States. And so um, that needs to change. You know, we're have, we're, we're really struggling um, – in terms of our economic, uh, uh, you know, equality or inequality. And uh, these are issues that really need to be focused on.
0: How much control will you have over the program? You are, of course, a woman, but you've mentioned producers and executive producers and there are other managers. How much say will you have in what goes on?
1: Well, I, in addition to being the host, I'm also uh, the editorial creator of the show, and so that um, we I will be working very closely with our executive producer. And on these big themes that we've, we're talking about, the different gaps that we're looking at, the bigger, broader uh, themes that we, the areas of interest that we want to dig mm-hmm. into. I think we are now, you know, we're open right now, and we're starting to look at creating beats for our producers, for example, so people have uh, specific areas that they're focusing on and developing areas of expertise and stories. Um, I've done a ton of digital and enterprise reporting or long-form reporting. So I'd love to be able to help us dive into uh, more of those projects and definitely lead the conversation.
0: Is the format of the program going to change dramatically? Uh, I know that uh, you had indicated that uh, you were going to expand the, what's called the takeaway tradition. I think those are your words. But how is it going to be different? What will what we hear be different starting so with I your program? So I think what
1: we... Correct. I think thank you for asking that. I think what we're as i as I mentioned earlier, we're going to continue to, if not continue, but expand our efforts to connect with our audiences, right? And our listeners. So I'm very active on social media, for example. I'm on Twitter very often. We want to hear uh, conversations. We want to hear people's uh, opinions on things, sometimes it's directly related to the news, sometimes it's not. You know the other day there was a a great story or a really sad story actually on on the epidemic of loneliness in the United states and I sort of you know just started tweeting about what i my view on why um, so many of us are in that situation and the responses from our uh, our audience were just fantastic, and this was a completely organic thing that happened on on social media. It wasn't on air that day. Uh, but now we have enough that we might think, you know what, maybe we should do something on air with all of this because there were some really powerful responses to um, to some of the, the comments that I was making. So I think you're going to see a lot more attempts at um, digital engagement, uh, everything from Facebook Live, like I mentioned, to Twitter and I also, in addition to news and and obviously covering the news of the day, we also want to start doing longer and more immersive uh, storytelling. So longer pieces, more ambitious pieces, pieces that um, present, you know, perhaps a different narrative arc and are, you know, we give our producers a little bit more time to work on them. And the way I think about these are, I think, you know, when you read the newspaper or when you... You know, you, you get that day's news, there's that news story, right, which we'll still do. But then, maybe two or three days later, there's a deeper analysis of what's happening, right? There's There are more voices. We've had a chance to kind of process. And that's what I'd like to see us do
0: more of. The digital world has really changed journalism, hasn't it, and social media in particular?
1: Absolutely has. I, I remember uh, getting on Twitter for the first time and being terrified. And it was in 2007 or 2008 and just thinking, I don't know, you know, how this works. And now I can't imagine not using it. Well, there are times when I'd like to imagine not using it ever again. But uh, it's, it's become such a vital part of at least the media uh, diet. Um, and people are getting their news from Facebook. And so there are lots of changes.
0: You know it used to be that journalists were charged with uh, giving people what they needed to know, and it, it may be shifting now to give people what they want to know. Is that the right direction to go in
1: you know that 's a great question i 'm always really torn about that. On the one hand, I feel like our job as journalists is to tell people what they need to know because we, in theory are spread out. All over, you know, we're the ones, journalists are the ones who are at your city council meeting. We're at all those, you know, events that people may not be able to attend themselves. And our job is to dig into documents and, you know, do that groundwork to inform the public of things that they may not know. So I think that's still a critical part of the journalist's job and should continue to be part of the job, if you will. That's the vegetables on the plate, right? at the same time we now have a back and forth relationship with our audience and whether they're your readers or your listeners or your viewers however you want to categorize them and all media outlets for the most part are on multiple platforms so at now you can engage directly with journalists you know readers can engage directly instead of sending a letter to the editor for example and so we in many ways have to respond in fact in many ways, these conversations are driving the news, right? I recall when I was working at the New York Times writing a story and story after story about things that were happening on social media, particularly after what happened in in Ferguson and the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which, you know, these, are, these suddenly were stories that became front-page news. And so, you know, digital media is often leading the conversation in many ways. Um, I do think we as journalists have to continue to be a bit— you know, tempered about what we think is a story and what we don't. I think sometimes uh, there are some outlets that get a little overzealous about everything being a story. Um, And I don't, you know, I still think we need to have standards about what a story is. Um, But I think, you know, that, that the landscape has absolutely changed.
0: Do you plan to take the show on the road?
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the things that we are really excited about doing. We want to meet people uh, around the country. We want to talk to our audience. We want to get out of New York City. And so we are, you know, once I get settled and once we get started, I think we absolutely, you know, we'll start to do that. We're, we're going to Miami Uh, In a couple of weeks. And um, following that, we'll have a couple more trips uh, planned. So maybe we'll make it to St. Louis.
0: I was going to say, come on to St. Louis and uh, take a look at Ferguson today. It might be interesting for you.
1: I think it would be fascinating. I I will never forget. That was one of the most poignant um, reporting. It was about eight days there and it was the second week of protests and um, it was intense, as I'm sure you
0: know. Yeah. Well, we're still living with the fallout from all of that, needless to say. One final question, because I want to give you a chance to talk about your book. Is this uppity? Yes. When are we going to be able to see that?
1: Well, uh, that's a good question. Maybe I should ask my editor. Uh-huh. I'm working on it now. Um, we're hoping for a 2019 uh, published date. Um, what the book is about is are the challenges and opportunities uh, that American women of color Are faced with today. And when I say women of color, I mean uh, black women, native women, Asian women, Latina women. Um, As a collective, you know, when we look at the data, when we look at social trends, when we look at economic trends, uh, women of color are often bearing the brunt of both racism and sexism in many ways, and, you know, other isms when you start looking at the intersection of our lives. And so, You know, as we move forward, women of color will also be the majority of women in this country in the next couple of decades. So that presents a quandary, right? There is now – there's going to be a massive demographic shift in this country. And the question that I'm trying to answer in my book is what then?
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see in 2019 what c- conclusions you've come up with. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I-, I just wanted to add, though, when we're talking about women, because I'm so struck by this, the, the job that NPR does, the-, the women correspondents, the women hosts are so exceptionally good. And I think NPR has more of that than any other organization I can think of and should be very proud of that.
1: I think they should, and I know, uh, I know they, they absolutely should, and I, I hope we see more of that.
0: Me too. Thank you so much, and, and good luck. Break a leg, as they say.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Don. I appreciate it.
0: Tanzina Vega, the new host of The Takeaway, heard on St. Louis Public Radio weekdays at 11 a.m. Archived versions of past St. Louis on-the-air programs are available for download or podcast at sdlpublicradio.org slash air. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.